welcome back to another episode of Bachelors in the City, guys. This is a very special episode. I am very excited. I am your co-host today, Dustin Kendrick. My other host, Peter Weber, you might know him. He is out flying today. He will be back as soon as possible. But right now, he's making sure people get to the destination nice and safely. But also today, guys... It's February 1st, and I'm very excited about this because it is the first day of Black History Month. So excited to share what it means to me, what I see in Black History Month, and where I hope it goes someday. Super excited to share that with you guys. I will have to tell you that I was hoping to have, uh, I did have Mike Johnson on, and we had some great conversations about this. Um, a lot of things we talked about, about being Black and Bachelor Nation, about followings, about having to be a certain way to get acceptance. Unfortunately, our audio did not make it through, but that's okay. We'll get Mike Johnson back on at a later time. But the show must go on. We're going to have great conversations with Emma. She's going to be with me. We're going to go through um, a lot of things today. So. Guys, I'm super excited. And since it is Black History Month, I want to give a cool fun fact of someone in Black history that has changed the world we live in now forever. And I'm going to start with Garrett Morgan, born 1877, died 1963. Garrett Morgan, with only an elementary school education, was an inventor. And invented the three light traffic signal that we all use today to get where we need to go. Wow, that's amazing. So, guys, take that fun fact, share it with someone. Garrett Morgan, thank you so much. We appreciate that. So, I guess let's just get into this episode. Happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Month. Yeah, it's a special month. Means it's got a lot of meanings, a lot of different meanings. Yeah, super excited about this month. For everyone knowing, I'm also excited that I was planning on sharing each episode little hints of facts of Black history culture, little cool, um, fun facts. Yeah, sprinkle into each episode. So just to celebrate Black History Month. So let's just get into it, I guess, right now. Let's get into right. it. I guess, yeah. So first off, I just want to know when you approach the idea of doing a Black History Month special or feature throughout the month, I want you to tell the listeners why you wanted to do that and what the importance of Black History Month is to you. I see Black History Month in a, a, a lot of different ways and doing some research and seeing. Actually, I can't wait for the day that we don't have a Black History Month. And that is a day that um, I guess it, it'll be a long time from now, but is I guess when we have full understanding of what Blacks in America have done for this country and uh, all they've been through, gone through a lot of things, a lot of things. And um, yeah, what it means to me is just like knowing my history. What, like I'm, I'm half Black, half white. And that, that even put me in a grow, growing up mix. That's a whole different story. And also I told you, I want to get Mixed in America on the episode as well. It's a pretty cool podcast about being biracial in America and having to adjust to society as always being black and white and not necessarily just talking about color, but just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's also great areas in there, but black history month means so much to me. Um, I think it's important for us as Americans, as people of color, people that 
aren't of color to just know and understand everything that people have gone through to get this country where it's at and our due acknowledgement of that. Not necessarily saying you got to give someone a pat on the back or anything for what their ancestors been through or um, what they've been through. But I think acknowledgement is the first step. And it, I think it just brings us closer together. And I guess that's one of them. I could go on for days, I guess. Uh, Maybe someday it won't just have to be a month. Like for uh, Black History Month, Women's History Month, all of those things are meant to spotlight inequities. And yes. we're taking the time to focus on the history there. But Black history is American history. It's, uh, it's so crazy when you get into like, I, I, just because like someone's black, like that means you should even want to do more research. And just because you're not black, that should make you want to do even more research. There's just so much history that hasn't been told in American history. Like I grew up in a white town and Black History Month was very vague. It was very like, this is bad. This is what happened. All right, let's move on. And that's why I was like, okay, fine. I guess I'm the only black person in the classroom. Um, I guess this is just what it is. But it's so much more. It's so much in depth. It's so much um, puzzling. It's complicated. It's very complicated. And anyone that's been, I mean, if you lived in America for your whole life, I mean, you know it's complicated. Race is very complicated here. But I think it's a stepping stone of, you know, where we need to go, where we see ourselves. I hope that our listeners and truly everyone takes the opportunity, not just this month, but especially this month, to learn things that maybe you didn't learn in school. Like I had no idea what Juneteenth was until a couple years ago. And that's crazy to think about that I didn't learn that in school. And I didn't really learn about like the Tulsa massacre. Yeah. All of those things that happened in American history that I just don't know about. Yeah, there's so much. I think one thing I've learned from that is like when slavery was abolished, Blacks were thrown in jail for the stupidest shit to keep them working um, imprisonment so they could continue to have free labor from these people. Like I've heard stories of someone like jaywalking. You're put in jail and so much false accusation over people just to kind of throw these people back in jail and just to get them back into the working on the railroad or doing all these things for free labor. It's insane. But there's, there's just so much history to learn and it, it just broadens your mind and it gives another appreciation and it shows you where I, I always thought it was very interesting no matter where in the United States, there's a ghetto. There's a, like, a, like a very, very untreated, very un... Um, it's just a bad, bad areas to be in. And why are they mainly filled with Black people? That's, I was like, why? Wow, that's interesting. Do you think Black people just like being brought up in these areas? Is that what... You no, know, it's you know, systematic racism that caused that. And growing up, I guess we're all so naive to that, of why that was such a thing. But so much history to be learned, so much information. Yeah, and that's why I'm excited. And I'm also excited about Black History Month just because of the accomplishments that people have made, the things they've gone through, the inventions, the, just so much. And it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. One of the things that people tend to do during Black History Month is look at all of the negative pieces of history and all of the 
bad things that have happened. And of course, we need to take the time to recognize those, learn from those, understand those, and educate the next generation on those things. But we would be in remiss if we didn't take the time to celebrate things that have come from Black communities and from those hard places to now, it's just so much success that we should also celebrate this month. 100%. 100%. So yeah, we're also going to celebrate this month. We're not going to just look on the bad. We are going to acknowledge the bad. I think that's very important. We have to acknowledge the bad, but we're also going to celebrate as far as we come. What has your experience been like in the public eye as a Black man, especially as an influencer in like Bachelor Nation and just someone who has a large following? What has that been like? Do you think it differs from a white counterpart? Oh, man. Being a Black man in Bachelor Nation, me and Mike really uh, got into this quite a bit. I think uh, one thing we talked about you know, being on The Bachelorette when we were on the Hannah Brown season, like we had sat down and talked and we were like, there's, there's no way she's into us. That's what we like. We had that conversation, you know, not, not say, I mean, she might've been, I don't know. Um, she seemed like a great girl and whatnot. But uh, from, from that stance of like a girl being a pageant girl from Alabama and whatnot, we were like, uh, I don't know, you know? And also coming from the show, a lot of, People of color don't really get the acknowledgement, um, the growing, the opportunities as many of others. I mean, I, I'm very thankful for my opportunities and little growth I've had as well. But statistically, people of color don't get large followings and large opportunities from it, you know? And uh, it's kind of bothersome because, you know, you sacrifice so much time, effort, and money into a, a cool opportunity that, you know, who knows might come from. You might be, you might fall in love. You might come off and be a host of a TV show. You might come off of it and just be super famous. There's, there's so much opportunity, which is really cool from Bachelor Nation, I think. And that's why a lot of people do it. But a lot of people of color do not get those same opportunities, which is very unfortunate though. Followership is yes, how many people follow you, but that's also like directly linked to your ability to monetize your brand. And there is something to say that white people on The Bachelor are able to make more money than black people on The Bachelor or any minority for that matter, just because the stats don't lie. We got uh, some amazing data from Bachelor Data who showed us the exact growth from everyone on Anna Brown's season and the only person of color up on the top of the list is Mike Johnson. Yeah. He's the only person that's like had a huge following from just being a contestant. Leads don't even really get that great of a following. I think there's only one lead right now that is over a million followers. I think everyone else is below, but maybe have hit it at one point. But Yeah. And when you think about just representation within Bachelor Nation, there has been one black man as the lead of the show out of 26 seasons. 3%. That's not good. Yeah, that's not good at all. 3% is not good with, you know, I mean, let's flip that around. And for women being leads, we've only had what, three black women? Three black women, which there have been a fewer number of seasons. So that bumps up to 16%, but still three out of 18. Still a failing percentage. If that was a test, 
Yeah, that's very unfortunate, you know, and you think of, um, and I guess that kind of goes back to like, why is that? Like, why, why, I don't know. You know, like me and Mike saying, we do want people to acknowledge color, but we don't want people to make judgment off colors. And it's like this last season, Michelle, you know, there was all these great guys that could have been The Bachelor. Yet, why weren't they? Is it because there was just too much color on there? Who knows? It was the first season where when we got to the final four, it was all like black men. And that was really cool to see because before that it... Yeah, you've never seen that. You'd never seen anything like that. Never. And from that, it was, wow, you could pick Rodney, you could pick Brandon, you could pick Joe, any of these people. And they went with the most traditional (laughs) white Midwest like man that they could pick. Yep. And I don't know what the logic behind that was. I don't, again, we've made a lot of commentary about Clayton on this show. But it's interesting to think about how they only had one black man take over that lead. And I want to get your thoughts on how that season ended. So Matt James is not in the one male club. There's only one black person in the one male club, which is Tasha. Tasha. Yeah, it's Tasha. And we had talked about this before. On Colton's season, she was a, a front runner, mm-hmm. getting uh, one-on-one dates up there. It's still, like, I mean, the other girls were breaking 500,000 followers, right? Plus. And what was hers? Hers, she was still like a, around 100-something thousand, which is insane. Uh, front runner. So when Matt James' season was ending, there was a huge controversy about Rachel, the woman that he ended up picking, and her previous attendance to an antebellum-themed like debutante event or sorority event or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it kind of shrouded the entire end of his season in controversy. So we didn't even get like a, a season without having to acknowledge that he was Black. It couldn't just be that he was the bachelor. It had to be that he was the black bachelor. And that in and of itself shows how problematic the whole bachelor nation is. It is. And it's it's so, gosh, it's so, it's so complicated, right? It's so confusing, so complicated and problematic. And ABC, I mean, it's... Most of their view, I mean, I guess they're giving what most of their viewers want, but there is, I mean, the the mass, the mass of the community of Bachelor Nation wants, you know, primarily white, white contestants, white leads. They they want that. They relate to that. That I mean, it's just white America, you know. Since we've had you know uproar after like the race wars of 2020 and not having a black lead and people speaking out and wanting, you know. I remember when they picked Mac James, like they were like, all right, he was going to be on this episode. I mean, this season. And they're like, nope, we're just going to go ahead. They should have waited. Like they just, um, I don't know. They, they folded real quick on that. Do you remember that? They, it felt like they forced it, you know, Big like they time. needed a response. Quick, and yeah. I think that the fact that they felt the need to immediately respond shows that they hadn't done the work before that they needed to do. 
Yeah, they weren't expecting that. If they had the equity in representation, they wouldn't have had to last minute change the script. Nope. That's very true. But they didn't. And so they last minute threw Matt James into the lead. And then the whole thing ended in racial controversy, which didn't really come to the effect that they were looking for anyway. Oh, man. Oh, man. What season that was? That was, yeah. In your perspective, is it ABC's responsibility to shift the minds of the viewers? Because they're showing the viewers what the viewers want to see, but also don't they, as a broadcasting perspective, have some role in what they provide to their audience and shifting the narrative? 100%. I mean, ABC has all the power. People on television don't realize it, but you have a, a, such a strong platform. You have the ability to change the way people think, construct things. So this is a new movie that is I Love Lucy. It's out from the original sitcom, I Love Lucy. And I didn't know Lucy and the, her husband on, on camera, they were really married. Did you know that? And he was a Cuban man. And they, in no response, they, they, without, they did not want to air I Love Lucy with her husband, a Cuban man on live television. They were like not up for it. And she was demonstrating how they have the power to reconstruct the way people think. You put this out there, people are going to be more accepting. People are going to be, I mean, you, you control, you have so much control. But uh, it's very interesting, but it's in the same, same dialogue, I feel like. ABC has so much power. People are going to follow whatever they see on TV. And that's just how it is. So you said you grew up in a small rural town that was predominantly white. Southern Illinois, Marion, Illinois. What was the importance of representation for you growing up? So representation, representation. I didn't have any, anything that represented me, honestly. Growing up, not many cartoons, not many superheroes. The only black male figures you would see on TV were always criminals. It's, it's insane, especially all through the 90s. Always criminals, always uh, someone in that nature. This is um, not to get politically or anything, and, but regardless of Barack Obama's, his, his placement on Democrat, Republican, I would not have cared the least bit. Just seeing someone that represents me and who I am was such a like, such a founding moment for myself. Like it just brought in so much, so, so many more doors in my mind of who I can be. I could do anything I want to do. And it's such a lovely thing. And I, I love it more when we see more of those things. I saw something on E! News where it was this baby from a Disney channel with this little uh, black girl or boy with long curly hair. And the representation of the cartoon being the exact same. And it's like just a beautiful thing for someone to see that and grow up in a positive way. So beautiful. But yeah, me growing up in Southern Illinois, not too much. I remember growing up and not being too many adult figures to follow, not someone I really wanted to be. I remember also like going to college and moving to St. Louis and seeing all these young black professionals. And I was like, wow. 
Like being a young black man, I had never really seen this. It's sad. It's so sad because it wasn't in my hometown. And it was like, wow, like what? This is like freaking amazing. I didn't, I didn't, this is nothing that I'm used to, but I want to know more about this. I want to know about this his, the history of this. I want to know about more of these uh, black colleges that are just so strong. And I don't know, it, it, it was an amazing feeling when growing up and seeing certain things that I could relate to. Going forward, I know you had this awesome conversation with Mike. One of the things in that conversation that really stood out to me that I'd love for you to talk on again is how being on TV as a Black man, there were implications about like, were you able to fully be yourself or did you have to be a Black man or did you have to be a white person's version of a Black man? And what all of that means for someone who might not understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, me and Mike got into this conversation. And um, one of the things we talked about, like, if you a Black person acts white or saying, like, if, say, a contestant acts more white or so, they'll get more followers or they'll keep more followers. Um, if they act Black, so to say, that doesn't even mean, it, like, there's no such thing as act Black, but or act white, but you'll you'll lose followers. You won't gain an audience. And you might not be the bachelor. You might not get picked for the bachelor if you act a certain way. And even being like in the TV show or someone going to get a job, going in for an interview, I feel like black people have always had to change their voice, change their demeanor a little bit of being more relatable to that person so they could feel more comfortable. And uh, I think it's just not TV shows. I think it's all around where black people have had to do that. And when they don't, they're categorized as mad or I I don't know. There's so many different things. Like people get onto Lindsay, um, Richie, Rachel Lindsay, Rachel Lindsay. I'm sorry. Sorry, Rachel. Yeah. People get onto her about like being just like mad all the time. Well, she's fed up. She doesn't want to have to make people feel comfortable just be, I mean, to feel a certain way. Like she wants to be her own person and she doesn't want to just make you feel comfortable. She wants to feel comfortable in her own skin and wants things to change. And I totally agree with that. Michelle's season, you really got to hear her talk on being a Black woman and not being seen by society or in the world. And I think that was really powerful. What did you think about her season and like that focus? Oh, I, you already know, I love Michelle Season. Michelle Season was awesome. She, by far, in my opinion, was the best lead that we've seen because she was so real, so open. There was nothing being held back. She was very, very emotionally intelligent. She didn't see through, I mean, she saw through the bullshit. She was everything you wanted in the lead. And for her to open up about certain things, about being a Black woman, about growing up, not being seen, about so much. It, it was great. Yeah, I, I loved her season. I hope to meet her one day. Hopefully she can come on the podcast someday. Hopefully, yeah. Be a couple years. <laughs> so this season, we talked about this a little bit on one of the recaps. They did the circle um, where everyone shared their experiences on a group date with Clayton. And it was very emotional. And we saw multiple women of color talk about how they have to be 10 times more just to 
exist in this world. What do you think is the importance of having those conversations on The Bachelor and what should, like, should we get more of that content? Less ridiculous drama and more real human conversation? No, I love those conversations that they've been having. And I I think there needs to be so much more of that. Like, Like, again, we talked about representation and, like, Maybe there's a you know the little black girl watching the Bachelorette Bachelor and she sees someone speak up on that that makes her feel so warm makes her feel so accepted and not alone. Yeah, I think there needs to be so much so so many more conversations on that and openness on that. So I really applaud those girls that did speak up on that in that vulnerable time. I had the opportunity recently of going to the African American History and Culture Museum in Washington D.C. There's an entire area that is all like sports. And I don't remember who was saying it, but they were talking about how one of the first places that we're truly seeing equity and integration is athletics. Mm -hmm. That was the one of the founding moments. I think it started actually with, I think boxing maybe, like the late 1800s. I think there was a boxer, I can't think of his name. And shortly after that, baseball. They do a lot to highlight how, oh, from Jackie Robinson up until we got our first black head coach of a football team. Like there was a good several decades. Martin Luther King Jr. was America's most wanted on the FBI. They thought he was one of uh, America's most wanted people. That's so insane to me. And I guess that just brings me to believe like, I'm sure there were people back then that probably were like, yeah, he's terrible. Look at this guy, you know? And now we have our own day of Martin Luther King. You kind of got to, people have to be more woke. And I hate to use that word woke, but people have to be more open-minded and more woke. And, you know, don't feed into certain bullshit. And, you know, you know what's wrong or right, you know? It's so funny that you see so many people really stand up and talk about their gun rights than equality rights. Like, I guarantee you, anyone that says, it's so funny to me. Like, I see it all the time. Come from a small town and people, you know, they get in, I I always, I don't ever get into like Facebook wars. They're very entertaining though. I'll definitely eat my popcorn and watch. But there's so many people that get into like race wars and just talk, oh, I'm not racist, this and that. And well, this is, this is the reason why, but all that, humble dumbo talk but comes this month of african history ghost silent i don't see anyone of that nature talking about their guns talking about this talking about um that kid that you know shot those two um protesters up in wisconsin people like idolizing this guy but not showing support to african-american history it's insane to me and eye-opening as well i want everyone to pay attention to that like, pay attention to the people you see that claim they're, they're, they don't have anything against anyone of color, this or that, but see how they support certain, um, besides sports, see how they support uh, Black American history. As we're wrapping up this kickoff to Black History Month episode, I'm going to ask you two questions. One is going to okay. be broader in scope, and then one is going to twist us back into Bachelor Nation. The first being... What do you want our listeners to take away from this month, to learn this month, to focus on this month? Yeah, I would 
again, going back, I would love our listeners to be mindful. Acknowledge that America, I, I honestly do, like, I think America has so much to offer. I think it's one of the greatest countries of all time. I think there's so much opportunity here, but it is not perfect. It is not. It has a lot of flaws. And we have to acknowledge that it had those flaws. It still has those flaws. And I think acknowledgement of that and just, I mean, that's the only way we become the greatest country of all is if we acknowledge and accept and um, do things to construct um, new meanings for a new for different neighborhoods. Let's let's rebuild these neighborhoods. Let's give these people uh, that are in very underprivileged areas um, a chance. Well, let's not just discard them and be like, well, anybody. If one person can make it out of that situation, anybody, that's not the case. I hate hearing that all the time where anybody, that's not the case. I just, I hope people are very just mindful and just do their research and want to be educated on Black History Month. I think it's something that could um, help everyone around and get us to a new place. And then to finalize everything and bring us back into the theme and scope of the show, what do you want to see in the future from The Bachelor? And how do we reach equity within the franchise? I don't... Again, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, it's not perfect. It's a very entertaining show. People love it. It has its flaws as well. It's not the greatest show ever. I think we need to continue to um, continue with more diversity. And you know what? I think ABC needs to just take ownership and be like, you know what? Besides, like there's been so many chances that they could have had oh, that random black lead that no one knew. Let's, you know what? Let's say fuck it. No one knows this one black lead that we have, but let's go ahead and make him the bachelor. Let's, let's, let's change everyone's, the way people think about things, you know? I would like to see more of that. I mean, I, w- I want to see more people, more people of color, of course, on there. Let's, let's, Let's just get more of that and let's see where it goes. I have to do my part as well and acknowledge and learn and grow more and of other of cultures too, you know, like I want to support women. I want to support LGBTQ. I want to support, you know, Asian culture. I want to support, I want to support everybody. And uh, yeah, I think Bachelors in the City can do that. I'm excited. This was a great conversation. Thank you for being on here with me, Emma. I didn't want to just talk to myself this whole time. So I really appreciate you. And uh, what an awesome chat we had. Bachelors in the City is hosted by me, Peter Weber. And me, Dustin Kendrick. This podcast is produced by Red Rock Music and powered by Acast. Our producer is Red Yoakum and our associate producer is Emma Martins. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Send your voice memos to BTC at redrockmusic.com. That's BTC at R-E-D-D rockmusic.com for your chance to be featured on the show. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Bachelors in the City Podcasts. See you next week. Thanks for listening and sign up for our membership program to become a honorary third roommate. Join now for $3 per month and enjoy the episodes ad-free. Click the link in the episode description so you can move in.